Hi, my name is Andrew Situiz. I've been at Potential Church for a little over a year now. When I was younger, I was mostly raised uh, Catholic. I attended Catholic Church, I went to Catholic school. I would go, pretty much go through the motions. I would say this and do that, and when someone says, do you, do you pray, do you, do you worship? I would say, yeah, I would pretty much do what everyone else would do, but I didn't have a working relationship and I didn't understand. I joined the United States Marine Corps when I was 18. I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan. I was in Okinawa, Japan for uh, about five years, um, and uh, I served in two major humanitarian relief efforts out there. We got deployed to the Philippines, um, but what we what we ended up doing uh, was was a lot different because of the the high level of damage. There was a high level of terrorist activity at the time. There was women um, and young girls. They had been beaten. Uh, they had been raped. They were left without clothes, without food and they wouldn't let us help them because they didn't know who was who. We told them that we were there to help them, but then they told me that that's what the other guys said. So that, that, was, that was a pretty scary time. Anytime I would hear a loud bang, a loud noise, I would instantly turn on memories. It would instantly take me back, and I would hit such a low level of emotional distress that I couldn't function. I was later diagnosed with PTSD. It, it got worse. Um, I couldn't find a job. I couldn't hold a job. I, I could only sleep for maybe an hour at night. I, I was on medication for, for a long time. And it just, it just got to a point where I was at an all-time low. Every morning I woke up and I said, today I'm gonna do it. Today, I, uh, today, today I'm gonna be at peace. Today I'm gonna rest and kinda never wake up. And right there, kind of when I hit rock bottom, my father called me. And just that alone, I said, well, okay, someone cares. So he called me, he said, you know what, let's get you right, you're, you're not really in the right place. He asked me, he says, why don't you come to Potential Church? From the second I walked in and I heard the, the worship team play, for once I was listening to the drums, the beats, and I didn't, there was no flaring, there, there was no memory recursion, there was nothing like that. I would hear them play and I just felt good. Oddly enough, it was the Insomnia series. It hit home so hard when he was saying it's, it's hard to stay awake. Sometimes, sometimes you just can't sleep. Sometimes you, you have thoughts on your mind. And I couldn't believe it. I fell asleep and I woke up eight hours later. It was, it was the most amazing feeling ever. And from there, I kind of, I got off the medication. I stopped seeing my therapist. He, he looked at me and said, you're, you're a whole new man. You, you are a completely different person now. So on Easter 2014, I went to the beach baptism. I went into the water. They looked at me and they said, are you ready for this? I said, yeah, let's do this. Well, after the beach baptism, um, I felt like a new man. I felt great. I, I was ready to rock and roll. I was reluctant to, to kind of get back into the swing of things, but I said, you know what, I'm a, I'm a drummer, and I'm gonna try it. Up to this point, when I would get on the drums, or when I would hear a drum, a beat, a loud noise, it would bring back so much distress, so much, it would bring me down. So I was scared, but for some reason, I felt that I can do it. The one thing that used to set me off most throughout my entire PTSD, the loud bangs. That's what God chose for me to worship with. 
the one thing that used to set me off is now the one thing I use to worship. I'm now the drummer at Potential Church. Uh, I've been on the worship team for a little less than a year now. It's, it's so, so raw, it's so real. God is here. My life has completely turned around. I, I, have, I, I got a fantastic job. I went back to school and um, things couldn't be better. I'm, I'm closer now with my family than I've ever been before. Potential church means family. Potential church means hope, means support. And, and for me, it's, it's meant a new life. What an awesome story. What an incredible story. Thank you, Andrew, for sharing that. What a great story. And you know, he said something in that video that's so true. Potential church is family. And it really brought him back, uh, you know, God used this place to bring him hope. And that's why I love this place so much. My wife and I have been here now. We started coming in 1996, so you can do the math. I don't know, math is escaping me. How many years is that? Almost 20, 19. And uh, we keep hearing stories like Andrew's, and every single time we get blown away that God is so good. And he, he's so restorative, and he's so just, he loves us so much, and he puts us in places where, where we can heal. And uh, if you see Andrew around, he's actually drumming this weekend. And he, the, you know, he just led you in worship. And if you see him in the lobby, just you know, shake his hand. It takes a lot of guts to share your story like that. But God's doing amazing things still in his life. My name is Brian Vassell. I'm one of your pastors. And I'm excited to be here. Thanks to Pastor Troy, Pastor Steph, for allowing me to just share my heart a little bit today. Y'all have a good Christmas? You did? All right, most of you had a good. This section over here had an exceptional Christmas. Back left corner. I'm, 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 I'm feeling. Anybody in the balcony, you guys have a good Christmas? All right, there we go. <laughs> I can almost see you up there, so glad you guys are here. Do me a favor. Before we get started today, turn to your neighbor and tell them the favorite Christmas gift you received all of Christmas. Now, let me warn you, if they gave you a gift, choose theirs, okay? <laughs> turn to your neighbor. What's your favorite gift you received for Christmas? Go ahead. Take a second and do that, if you would. Some of you aren't sharing. I hope you didn't get coal or something. You're not on the naughty list. <laughs> Christmas is fun, right? Now, some people are like, yay, Christmas, right? And some people are like, yay, Christmas is over. And uh, you were out yesterday returning things and all that stuff. So I uh, just want to say welcome to you. We're in a series called A Christmas Carol. We've been talking a lot about our friend Ebenezer Scrooge. And we're gonna, there's still a couple more lessons from Ebenezer that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. And I want to encourage you to take the note, take some notes today. If you would, take out the bulletin or this program or whatever you want to call it. Uh, take some notes today because we always want to give you something that you didn't have when you came in. And I hope today that some insight will be usable right away in your life. To write down, take out a pen. And also, we always want to encourage you to bring your Bibles with you, okay? Whether that be book form or digitally, it's important to have the Word of God with you when you're studying the Word of God. So I want to encourage you to take those out now as we kind of dig in a little bit. Talking about Ebenezer Scrooge, he got visited by three ghosts in the story. Remember what they were? The ghost of Christmas past, right? Ghost of Christmas present. And then today's ghost is the ghost of Christmas future. And Pastor Troy talked a little bit about this over the last couple of days, over Thursday and Friday. And by the way, if you missed those services, the pastor did a phenomenal job. Go back and grab those. They're on our app. Uh, you can listen to the message. It was phenomenal. Life-changing stuff, as always, from Pastor Troy. But um, we talked a lot about the ghost of Christmas past and present. Today we're talking about the ghost of, ghost of Christmas future. And Ebenezer Scrooge was not a nice guy, was he? His favorite expression was what? Bah! 
humbug, right? That can't possibly be true. Christmas spirit can't exist. He was a miser. He didn't like people very much. He didn't like Christmas at all. And as we read through the story, we come across the point where he, he gets led by this ghost of Christmas future to a, a graveyard. And the ghost brings him right to his own grave. And I want to read you right from the play, right from the story, if I could, what happened when he got led to his own grave by the ghost of Christmas future. It says this. It says, Scrooge crept towards it, trembling as he went, and following the finger read upon the stone of the neglected grave his own name, Ebenezer Scrooge. Am I that man who lay upon the bed? He cried upon his knees. And the finger from the pointed at the, the ghost finger pointed from the grave to him and back again. No spirit. Oh, oh, no, no. The finger was still there. Spirit, he cried, tightly clutching at its robe. Hear me. I am not the man I was. I will not be the man I have been, but for this intercourse, why show me this if I'm past all hope? For the first time, the ghost's hand appeared to shake. Good spirit, he pursued, as down upon the ground he fell before it. Your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. And the kind hand trembled. Ebenezer says, ghost, is there any way that this doesn't have to happen? Because the ghost basically takes him to his gravestone and says, if you keep going the way you're going, this is, what, this is where you're headed. You're going to die a bitter, angry man. And it's going to be tough for you. So he says, i got to make some changes in my life. But did you notice that Ebenezer questions the ghost's motives in that story? I put it in your, in your outline. It's right here. He says, spirit, he cried, tightly clutching at its robe. Hear me. I am not the man I was. Here it is. Why show me this? if I'm past all hope. Why show me this? If, if I can't change this ghost, this is just cruel. If I can't change the future, why put me through this torture? In fact, there, it, it's where this, this story kind of takes a dramatic turn, and, and the lesson he learns right at that moment is the same lesson we can learn as we head into 2016. This will be the last message you hear from this stage in 2015, and next year is coming quickly. How do we make changes? Well, here's the lesson from the story. Please fill this in. There is always hope. There's always hope. Ebenezer said, hey, I'm still alive. There's hope. It's the same thing in our own life, right? If we're breathing, there's hope. If we still have a pulse, there's hope. But everybody take a big, deep breath. Let it out. <sighs> Congratulations. You are still living. If you're living, there's hope. Ebenezer learned that. As long as I'm still alive, I can change my future. I can, I can make changes in my life that I need to. As long as we're on this side of the ground, there's always hope for restoration and healing. There's hope. But Ebenezer had a lot of changing to do, didn't he? He had to make some pretty big changes in his character and his life. I think a lot of us do too. If we're going to head into 2016 differently, we have to make changes. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us, we want to go to 2016 the same way we're ending 2015. Guess what's going to happen? Your 2016 is going to look a lot like this year. Now, for some of us, that's great. We had a great 2015, but for some of us, emotionally, 2015 was the hardest year we've ever lived out. And if we don't correct a few things, we don't make some changes in our lives, 2016 is going to be no different. Now, we can make simple changes, right? We can, we can get things enhanced and flattened and, and you know, that kind of stuff. We can go to get a new neighborhood, a new job. Those are easy changes to make. I'm talking about tough internal changes. So what kind of changes do we need to make? Well, the good news is it's the same changes that Scrooge made. And they still work today. We have to do this. This is a tough one. I'm going to warn you, today's message may be tough for some in the room. It was for me when I prepared it. 
what Ebenezer needed to do, the biggest change he needed to make was he needed to ask people for forgiveness. And I would venture to say that there's some in the room today, all of our campuses want to welcome you guys as well, online as well, that some of us in the room today need to ask some people for forgiveness. We need to be forgiven for something we've done. Have you ever hurt somebody and didn't mean to? Have you ever overreacted and caused damage to a relationship? I have. Have you ever thought, you know, I really, that ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife, my boss, man, I really hurt them. I really should have made that right. If that's you, I've, I've got good news for you. As long as, remember, we said there's always hope. Those things can be restored, and the changes we need to make can be made. Now, I want to just put a, a little bookmarker here in my notes just for a second. I want to make sure we understand this. Today, I'm not talking about forgiveness that you give to someone. I forgive my mom. I forgive my dad. I forgive my brother. That's not the topic of the message today. This type of forgiveness is the kind of forgiveness we have to go to someone and ask them to give us. I've hurt you. Please forgive me. This is not easy to do. In fact, I would go as far as to say it might be one of the most challenging things we're we're called to do as human beings. Going to someone humbly and saying, will you forgive me for how I've hurt you? Not easy, but it's it's what Ebenezer Scrooge had to do, and I believe it's what we have to do too, to have a better 2016. A couple of truths here, and there's some clues in, in Ebenezer's story. I put them there in your notes. Here's the first one. The way to make the change we need to do is this. Number one, realize it's not too late to change. Please fill that in. It's not too late to change. Okay, remember the story, right? The ghost of Christmas future comes up and says, hey, you know, Ebenezer, you got to make some changes here. And look, look what Ebenezer does. In fact, this is not in the script I read you, but in the story, Ebenezer puts up a, 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 really a, a shield. I put it there in your notes. Ebenezer says, I must say that I am too what? I'm too old. I can't change. This is just the way I am. I'm just too old to change. I don't need to ask forgiveness from anybody. I'm just too old. I'm too set in my ways. And we hear that excuse and we go, man, Ebenezer, that is lame. And that might well, very well be the case, but I, I've heard excuses I've said. And some of you may have said some of these. I'm too set in my ways to change. I don't need forgiveness because that's ancient history. This is the way I've always been. What if they don't forgive me and I ask for it? Or how about this one? But I'm in the right here. I, I, I was the one that was right. Why do I need forgiveness from them? I was right. They were wrong. I put it in your notes this way. Anyone can change. Everyone has excuses not to. Anyone can change. You or I, we can change. No matter what our excuse is, we can do it. But everyone has excuses not to. The Bible talks about it in Romans. Paul writes to the Romans. Paul is is the number one writer of the New Testament. He wrote a lot of the letters that we read. And he writes to the Romans. And here's what he says. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. If you wouldn't underline that word, that phrase, new person. That's what we're after, right? 2016, becoming a new person. By changing the way you think. Not act, right? Not serve, not love, not give. Changing the way we what? We think, because the way we think matters. God says if we're going to heal, if we're going to be able to get the forgiveness we need from people that we've hurt, we've got to change the way we think. We have to make changes. We have to make some constructive changes. It's never too late to change things. I put it in your notes this way. As long as there's a heartbeat, there's an opportunity for healing. 
As long as there's a heartbeat, there's an opportunity for healing. As long as you're still alive, you can make it right with those you've hurt. Ebenezer thought the same thing. In fact, healing can still happen in your life. Even ancient history, things that have happened a long time ago, healing can still happen in your life. So Scrooge needed to be brought to this grave site, right? The future, ghost of Christmas future brings him to the cemetery, shows him a grave. What, what does it take for us to get this point that we can change, that we need to make some changes? Well, I do a lot of funerals as a pastor, and um, the number one pain at a funeral generally tends to be, besides loss, is, is regret. And I get asked all the time, Pastor, I just wish I had five more minutes with the person who died. Just five more minutes. And I always ask the people that ask me that, Why? What would, what would five more minutes do for you? And time after time they tell me, I just need the person who's dead to forgive me for what I've done. And I thought, how tragic is that? That that conversation didn't take place while the person was living. Why didn't we seek forgiveness from that person while they were still here? Because we all think we've got forever to make things right. And a lot of times we just flat out don't. We've got to make changes in our lives. Seeking forgiveness. So that's number one. Here's the second part. Please fill this in. It's not too late to seek forgiveness. It's not too late to seek forgiveness. If you would, please write that in. So Scrooge decides he's going to make some changes to his life. He said, okay, I'm going to make those changes I need to make to have a better, better life. And he goes, and here's, he goes to the nep- his nephew. Remember Scrooge's, what was Scrooge's nephew's name? Anybody remember? We've said this a hundred times. Somebody said it over here. It was Fred. Good job. Gold star over here. Fred. The person next to him is pointing like, she said it, she said it, right? It is Fred, way to go. Fred, he goes to Fred's wife's house. And now he's given Fred an awfully hard time. He goes to his wife, and look, I put it in your outline. Look what he says to her. He says, can you forgive a pig-headed old fool with no eyes to see with and no ears to hear with all these years? In other words, Mrs. Fred, can you forgive me? That took a lot of guts, didn't it? I mean, here is Ebenezer, the, the, the grumpy old man that everybody knew was just a real grouch. And he went to his nephew's wife and said, will you forgive me for the way I treated you? Now, this is a tough step. And I think the toughest step, the reason why it's so hard is a lot of us in the room, including me, don't want to admit that we're wrong. Yeah, anybody, any Happy Days fans in here? Anybody ever watch that old show, Happy Days? few people. I love that show. If you, it's on like, I think, a, now they have Nick at Night or TV Land or something if you get it. Uh, it's a good show, set in the 1950s, right? If you haven't heard the story of Pastor Troy wanting to become Chachi, you, you got to hear it. He shares it once in a while. It's a classic. I love that story so much. <laughs> but I didn't want to be Chachi. Chachi was the young guy. You know, Joni loves Chachi. What did I want to be? The coolest guy on the show. Right? He had the motorcycle, he had the leather jacket, he went, hey, all the time, right? He could, he could bang a jukebox and make it come alive. Nobody could figure out how to work the jukebox, but when he came in, he banged it, he lived in that little loft, right? Defended his friends, great guy. His name was, what? The Fonz. I wanted to be the Fonz so bad. I begged my mom for a leather jacket, I, and I, wore, I, had, I had my little Schwinn bike, and I'm wearing my leather jacket, and going, hey, people are like, okay, weirdo, get away, right? I want to be the Fonz so bad. The Fonz was the coolest guy ever. But there was one thing the Fonz couldn't do. Do you remember what it was? He, when he got in trouble, when something happened and he made a mistake, he, he couldn't apologize. He'd go to people and go, I, I was, he couldn't say the word wrong. And you look at that and you're like, wow, Fonz, he could do all these things so cool. He even, one episode, he jumped his motorcycle over a shark. I know, it doesn't make any sense to me either. They ran out of plots, right? But the man could not say he was wrong. 
Some of us in the room today have the same problem. I'm not going to seek forgiveness from those that I've hurt because I was ruh, ruh, ruh. So a lot of times we can't, we can't admit that we're wrong. I put it in your notes this way. Seeking forgiveness means acknowledging that I was part of the problem. Seeking forgiveness acknowledges that I was part of the problem. When we go to someone and say, I'm so sorry for the way I've hurt you, you're admitting that you were part wrong. That's a big step. Ebenezer went through it. When he went and asked Fred's wife, he said, hey, will you forgive us, pig-headed old fool? He said, hey, I, I was wrong the way I treated you. Took a lot of courage to do it, but he did. So the first step to seeking the forgiveness we're looking for, we can't be too proud or too stubborn. We have to say, hey, I, I, I blew it. I was wrong. I'm sorry. So how do we overcome this? I put four little tips there. You can fill these in if you'd like to. How do we get the forgiveness we're looking for from those we've hurt? Here's the first way to do it. We have to admit it to God. We have to admit it to God. The first person we need to confess, the Bible calls it confession. The first person we need to tell, I've done something wrong, is God. And I love what Scripture says about this. Look what it says in 1 John 1.9. If you don't have this verse circled in your Bible, you should. This is an important one, okay? This is what happens when we confess. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and we confess our sins, right? Sin's a picture word, meaning we miss the mark, right? It means we're not perfect. Everybody in the room is a sinner, everybody. If you didn't know that, you're proud and that's a sin, so don't, everybody's, right? We're on the same playing field. All of us miss the mark. And the Bible says when we confess our sins, look, let's read it. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and righteous. Underline those, he's faithful and righteous. And look what he does. God is faithful and he's righteous to forgive us our sins. I, I circled the word forgive. I love the fact that I can confess my, my, my problems to God. God, I blew it. And God says, okay, I, I forgive you. And if you were here over the Christmas run, we talked about how our, if, when God forgives our sins, are they're separated from us as far as the east is from the west, that we never have to deal with them again. That blows my mind that God would forgive me for all the times I've blown it in my life. But if we continue the verse, he, he, it can, he forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You know, a lot of us are okay giving our sins to God. God, please forgive me for blowing it. But you know what we like to do? I, I, maybe this is just me. I'll give my sins to God. I'll confess what I've done wrong to other people, to God. And you know what I'll do? I'll say, okay, God, you deal with that. And then not only 10 minutes later, I'll go take it back. Because somehow I've convinced myself that worrying about something helps God do his job. God says, no, you don't need to do that. Leave it with me. Confess what you've done wrong to me. The very first person to confess it to, before you confess it to the person you've hurt, confess it to me, and I will forgive you for those things as far as the east is from the west. Somebody needed to hear that today. Somebody has been carrying a burden for a long time on how they've hurt somebody in their past and needed to know that God forgave them. If you've asked God to forgive you, God's forgiven you. Now, are there consequences for poor choices? Definitely. You've probably already gone through a lot of them. But you don't have to feel guilty about it anymore. There's two steps to this. We have to confess faith. We have to confess them to God. The second thing we have to do is confess them to those that we've hurt. We have to admit it to those that we've hurt. We can't just tell God, and God says, well, I forgive you. Well, as long as God forgives me, it's okay. God says, no, no, that's not it. You have to tell me first. Then you have to go to the person you've wronged and tell them. So you have to admit it to those that we've hurt. Look at it. it says in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to who? To one another. 
tell each other what you've done wrong, and then pray for one another that you may be healed. Circle that word healed if you would. That's an important word. I want to heal. I don't want to carry around the burden that I've hurt someone all these years. I want to heal. I want God to heal me. But the way to do that is admit it to him and then admit it to the person that I've hurt. Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard to go to someone we've hurt and confess? Because sometimes we feel like we're just opening up an old wound. Or maybe we don't like confrontations. Or what if they laugh at us? What if they reject us? What if they don't forgive us? All these things are barriers. Why is this so hard? How do we overcome these barriers? We have to confess it to one another. Because I believe when we start to do that, look at that important last word, healing takes place. You ever wonder why life hurts so badly sometimes? I think a lot of the wounds we carry are self-inflicted. We hurt someone, and then we refuse to ask for forgiveness. So what happens is that anger builds up, and we just what? We swallow it. We don't ask for forgiveness. We just figure they'll get over it. And before long, we look in a mirror, and we don't look a whole lot different than Ebenezer Scrooge because our hearts get hard. And we look at ourselves and we go, who is this person in front of me, bitter and angry, thinking the whole world is dumb. I'm the only smart one. They just don't get me. This is the way I am. Got to be careful. Got to guard our hearts. Got to confess it first to God, then we have to admit it to the person that we've hurt. Here's the third tip to getting the forgiveness you need from the person you've hurt, is we have to be sincere. Please fill that in. We have to be sincere. I, um, I taught middle school for nine years. Now, I know I share that a lot. My wife always gets on me that I say that every time I teach, but I say it because I survived it, and I'm pretty proud. I did. I made it. I made it nine years. How many, how many of you have middle school-age kids in your house? Middle school-age kids, raise your hand up proudly. You deserve it. It's a badge of honor. Pray, I'm praying for you. I see those hands in the back. Amen. Right? Middle school is the most confusing age ever. It was for me when I was living it. It is hard when you're dealing with other people's kids and they're going through it. And it never failed. Whenever two kids in my class would have conflict, you know how I solved their conflict? Eighth graders, right? Having a verbal fight. Not a fist fight, but a verbal fight. I'd stop them and I'd make them hug it out. Two eighth grade boys hugging it out in front of the class. They'll stop, right? And then I always made them apologize to each other. Now, have you ever seen a middle schooler apologize? It goes a little something like this. Dearest one, I have betrayed your trust and I ask for your eternal forgiveness in my soul. I have broken the sacred bond of friendship that two eighth grade boys have. And I, does it look like that? No, what does it look like? It's two kids like this. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. They even look at each other, hands in the pockets, head down, right? You know what I'm talking about. Sorry. Is that sincere? You make your kids apologize to each other. I don't care what age they are. Are they sincere? Most of the time, they just do it because you make them do it. If we're going to get the, the forgiveness we need from the people that we've hurt, we've got to be sincere with the apology. I, the Bible talks about that in James chapter 5. It says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your what? Your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This passage tells us, mean what you say. If you say yes, mean it. If you say no, mean it. If you say, I'm sorry, mean it. Be sincerely apologetic. That little phrase, I'm sorry, some people abuse it. They do all they want to do, and then they'll go, sorry, 
Like it's supposed to fix it. It doesn't. The words I'm sorry are important to say, but they're not a universal band-aid giving people free reign to run all over your life. Or better, maybe better said, for us to run over somebody else's life. I'm sorry is important. We have to say it. But the reason people don't believe it is because they've heard it so many times before. It doesn't fix everything. A lot of us are just sorry we got caught, not sorry we did it. Some of us are sorry because we don't want to sleep on the couch. Some of us are sorry because we don't want to have drama in our lives. That's why we say we're sorry. We don't really mean sorry. We don't, we're not looking for forgiveness. We're looking to get past the drama. We need to have sincere, apologetic hearts. I put it in your notes this way. The value of I'm sorry decreases with repetition. The value of I'm sorry decreases with repetition. What does that mean? The more times you say it, the less it means to someone. Because you're just going to go back and do what you want anyway. The first time you break somebody's heart, or you hurt someone, or you say something you didn't mean, you say, I'm sorry, that's okay, that's cool, we're good. Second time, not quite as good. The 63rd time, your words mean nothing to them. You have to be sincere. You have to be sincere. But as I said, those words are not enough. Here is what's enough. We have to say, I'm sorry, but we have to pair it with the next truth. We have to make things right. Please fill that in. We have to make things right. It's important to say you're sorry. It's a whole nother deal to live it out. Let's look at what the scriptures say in James chapter 1, verse 22. James says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must what? Do what it says. Underline that phrase if you would. Not just hear it, but do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. The Bible tells us left and right, love your neighbor, serve them, honor them, right? All these things the scripture tells us, and we hear it, and we go, I want to really do that really badly, but we don't live it out. You know, it's like reading the Bible in the morning. Get up into your quiet time, and the Bible's, you know, God's telling you to get out and be generous, or get out and serve others, or love your neighbor. We read this stuff, and it seems so good. Then we just don't do it. It's like saying, I'm sorry, but no action to back it up. They're just words unless we apply them. If, if we're going to be apologetic and seek forgiveness for who we've hurt, we've got to tell them, I'm so sorry, and I'm going to make it up to you. I'm going to make things right. That's what, it's, Scrooge did that, right? Scrooge, when he was in the story, he went out and bought the finest turkey for his nephew's dinner party. What was his nephew's name again? Good. Bonus points. Remember Fred. Don't forget Fred, right? Buys a big turkey for Fred's dinner, goes and attends Fred's dinner, and has, he's the life of the party, the, the story tells us, right? Then he goes out and Bob Cratchit, his, his employee that he's gotten real mad and nasty to, he makes it right with Bob Cratchit and he gives him a raise and he gives him Christmas off for the rest of his life and, and he goes and fix his little son, Tiny Tim, he takes care of him. Scrooge doesn't just say he's sorry, he makes things right. I think if we're going to have a breakthrough 2016, the people that we've hurt, we can't, just, we can't keep telling people that we're sorry and not doing anything to change ourselves or do anything about it. I put it in your notes this way. The value of I'm sorry increases with action. It increases with action. One action, I can promise you this, one action means more than 100 I'm sorry's. We've got to make things right. I don't know what that looks like in your circumstance. But I know in my own life, there are people that I've hurt along the way. I'm not proud of hurting them. And there's some phone calls I need to make. And I need to tell them, I'm sorry. Here's what I'm going to do to fix this. And put action behind it. So at, after we've said all this today, who comes to mind? 
Who is it that you need to make a phone call to? Now, you can send a text, but texts and emails are not the same thing. They don't have the same impact as talking to somebody. This is a tough thing to do. As I said from the very beginning, this is a really challenging lesson. But I'm telling you, if we can figure this out and we can make things right with those we've hurt, it can radically change your life. It will change, it changed Scrooge's life, and he's just a storybook character. It can dramatically change the direction of your life. Who is that person in your life that needs to hear, I'm sorry? Who is that person that needs the spouse back that they married, not the person that you've become? Who is it that needs to have the trust rebuilt in the relationship that you damaged? Who is it that needs to hear from your heart today? It's these things that are going to help you have a better 2016. I want to do one last thing before we wrap up today. My parents, when I was growing up, my parents always used to have that special extra gift. Maybe you do this at home, right? You unwrap all the gifts under the tree, and there's always that secret one, right, that comes out at the end. Oh, must have forgot this one. Santa kept this one in the closet. I don't know. Didn't make any, I think they just forgot to put it under the tree. But anyway, there's one final gift I want you to unwrap. One final thing I want to give you from the bottom of my heart. I talk to so many people, and they ask me, Pastor, I want to have a better life. I want things to be better. I want to feel good. I want to be able to deliver a triumph, triumphant 2016. And I give them four tips every single time. Here they are. You can fill these in your outline. Four tips to a better 2016. And they kind of fold into this Ebenezer Scrooge discussion as well. Here's number one. To have a better 2016, we have to tell more people, I love you. Now, I'm not going to make you turn to your neighbor and tell them I love you, because that might be weird if you didn't come with them. <laughs> But there's somebody in your life today that needs to hear those words. I love you. I talked to a husband one time. He told me, I told my wife when we got married that I loved her. If that changes, I'll let her know. I said, nope, doesn't work that way. (laughs) Who needs to hear, I love you? And I'm not talking just romantic love. I'm talking brotherly love, sisterly love. A family member, mom, I love you. I know we fought a long time. Please forgive me, Mom. I'm going to make it right, but I love you, Mom. Who needs to hear that in your life? We just need to say it more. Because here's the thing. We all think we're going to have all this time to tell people that we love them, but we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Keep short account with the people in your life. If you love them, tell them. Life is way too short to keep that a secret. That's number one. Here's the second thing to help us have a better 2016. Say thank you more. Be thankful for where you are and what you have. This is tough. Gratitude matters. Praise God for where you are. We took took a deep breath at the beginning today. You're still here. Praise God for that. You may not have the best job that you think you might have, or you might not make enough money, or all your relationships feel like they're all falling apart on you, or the car you drive may not be, you may have to put water in it every day so it doesn't overheat on the way to work but you have four wheels and a steering wheel, right? Four tires and a steering wheel. You may not own, not own the nicest house on the block, but it keeps the roof off your head when it rains. You want a key to a better 2016? Tell people you love them more and be thankful for what God has provided. It will completely change your, 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 your vision of where you are in your life. Here's the third thing. This is a tough one. Be willing to say, I forgive you. Now, this is the kind of forgiveness where we have to act outwardly. We have to tell people we forgive them because here's the deal. Some people in the room, me, me, and I've had this happen in my past too, we hold grudges. 
We're still holding on to a grudge of someone who hurt us 30 years ago. 10 years ago. On your way into church today. And we hold on to these grudges. And what happens is we, we play these things out in our head. I'm not forgiving them because they haven't deserved my forgiveness. And what happens is we think we're hurting them. But actually, what every, it's like saying I'm trying to kill them by poisoning myself every day. They've long moved on. But every day we wake up and chew on it. We've got to be willing to forgive them. Now, I didn't say forget. I didn't say you have to forget it happened. Forgiveness frees you to move on. Very hard to do. I do a lot of weddings, and I'll forget my ring off, but ow, it's fused on. 20, almost 23 years married. Every time we do a ring ceremony, I always put in the, in, the, in the ring part of the ceremony, I always talk about the prodigal son. Now, if you don't know what that story that is, that's the, when the son takes his father's inheritance in the Bible and goes out and blows it. He basically spends all, his dad's still alive. He says, but I want to spend the money now. He takes the money and he goes and blows it and he lives it up and he goes and goes crazy. And then he kind of runs out of funds and he says, I got to come back home. And he expects when he comes back home to his father, his father's going to tell him, you know, get in the pig pen. You deserve it. You had this coming. You wanted your money early. You blew it. And every day, the Bible tells us that his father goes to the end of the driveway waiting for his son to come home. And, and one day, he sees his son approaching, and his son walks up to him with his head down, ashamed. I've blown it, father. Scripture tells us the father takes the ring off of his hand, places it onto the finger of his son, and says, all is forgiven. And when I look down at my own wedding ring, I think to myself, how many times has my wife forgiven me? How many times have I blown it? And she forgave me, not because I asked for it, earned it, or even deserve it. But she forgives me because she loves me. That's why we forgive other people. Because we care about the relationship. And then we take that, let's blow that up even bigger. How many times has God forgiven us for, how, for blowing it every day? I love it when God forgives me. I love reading passages. If I confess my sin to him, he'll forgive me. I love that. Bring it on, God. That's awesome. But you know what? If you hurt me, I hold a grudge. I'm okay with God forgiving me. I really struggle forgiving other people. We just can't live a life like that. Forgiveness is hard, but we have to do it. And here's the last one. This is kind of the wheelhouse of what we talked about for, so far today. We have to do this more. We have to say, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I wrote it in your notes this way. Asking for forgiveness means that you're more concerned with the relationship than being right. I blew it. I'm sorry. I'm going to fix it. I was wrong. Now, was I wrong? I still may believe in my heart that I was completely, 100% justifiably right. But I care more about this than I do about winning. Because here's the deal. At the end of it all, People are not going to remember you by how many arguments you win. Did you know that? There's no marker board in your house. Well, maybe there is. If there, isn't, if there is, get rid of it, right? Because <laughs> that's, that's a divorce starter. Don't do that, right? It doesn't matter how many arguments you win. It doesn't even matter how right you were. People are going to remember you by the way you treated them. When you were wrong, did you say, I'm wrong, please forgive me? They're going to remember you by your spirit by the way you treated them. It's important. We have to ask forgiveness for how we treat people. I once did a funeral for a guy. I'll never forget this, because I sat around, you know, when I do a funeral, I meet with the family ahead of time. 
and I had all of his family around me, and they told me, Pastor, we want you to do a funeral for him, but you can't say anything nice about him. And I'm like, how am I going to do this? They go, oh, I said, well, well, why? Why can't I say anything nice about him? And they said, well, because he was a jerk to the family. He stole from us. He lied to us. He abandoned his kids. He didn't work hard. He was lazy. In fact, he didn't even believe in God. This guy is in hell, Pastor. Do his funeral. <laughs> I did what you did inside. I couldn't laugh outside. Like, How am I going to do this? But you know what? As I had them all sitting around, I thought, I want to ask him this question just out of curiosity. If he had come to you and said, would you forgive me, would that have changed anything? And the room got really quiet. And all of a sudden, tears started coming down faces in the room. And every single person in that room said if he had just come to us and asked for forgiveness, we'd have forgiven him like that. He lived his entire life and wasn't willing to come to somebody and say, you know what, I was wrong. And when he was gone, the memory they have of him was not a good one. There's always hope. Church, you can restore those relationships that you thought were long gone. Mend fences that have been broken for decades. Why do it? Because it, I really believe with my whole heart then healing can start to take place. This is a tough, tough thing to do, but God promises when you do it, he'll bless you for it. So at the end of every year, I want to share these two things. These are two things that I always say to myself. It's coming up on New Year's Eve. I think New Year's Eve is what, Thursday? Almost 2016 already. Can you believe it? Do you want it to be better than 2015? There's two things I say every year right around this time. Here they are. To anyone who hurt me this year, I forgive you. This is so hard to say because I'm so right to seek revenge. I'm so right because I'm right. I'm so right because what I said was the truth. I'm so, for all, every excuse I give myself, man, I have every right to be angry at them. But I have to let it go. I don't want to get bitter. So every year I say, if you hurt me, I forgive you. And then the second part, you can probably guess what goes here too. If to anyone I hurt this year, please forgive me. And then I pray and I ask God, God, please show me the people that I've hurt this year. And I make phone calls. And I write letters. And I try my best if I've hurt someone to make up for it. It's really hard because it requires a lot of soul searching and, and I... I have to give up being right, but I have to do it. Now, I know there are people in the room right now that would say, Pastor, I would love to ask forgiveness, but the person who I've hurt is passed on. In those cases, what I would tell you is just go to God with that pain. You can't go to the person because they're gone, but just go to God and say, God, please forgive me for the way I treated that person. And God says, as we just read in 1 John, that he'll forgive you for those things. Don't carry the weight and the guilt and the pain any longer. Go to make it right with the people you've hurt. Because I wrote this in your notes, and it's our last thought of the day. It's not too late to change your future. Just like Ebenezer Scrooge in our story, he looked at that gravestone, and he said, is it too late for me? And, and the ghost said, no. Now I just want to wrap up by saying to you guys, this is not the easiest message to hear, I know. 
This is not a topic we go, yay. But I promise you, if we can do it, it can radically change the way you see God, yourself, your future, and you can mend relationships that will essentially lead you to a better 2016. I challenge you, church, who was it that came to mind? Who needs to get that phone call today? And let's do this. Let's make it right. Because God, you know, God says, I love my life, one of my life verses is Philippians 4.13. Maybe you know it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You may not have the words right now in your heart to share with the person you've hurt, but if you're willing to do it, God's going to give you the right words, the right opportunity, and the strength to do it when you're ready. It's important to get ready sooner than later because you'll change their life. They're not expecting that phone call. You'll change your own life, and you'll glorify God in the process. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to make things right with those we've hurt. And God, first and foremost, we thank you for forgiving us time and time and time again for messing up and blowing it and missing the mark. But God, I pray for each and every beating heart in this room today. Father, I know when that name came to mind, the enemy crept up and said, don't worry about it. It's too hard. They won't understand. But I ask you, God, to drive that enemy away. He has no right to their heart. Because when we start talking about restoration, the enemy bristles up and tells us to keep things the way they are. Don't bring it up, and everything will be okay. But God, we follow you. We know that restoration, healing, love, those things matter and will lead us to the best year we've ever had. Thank you for loving us unconditionally, wholeheartedly, and giving your son to us as the ultimate act of forgiveness for what we've done. Father, strengthen, be with, love on, encourage all the people that are within the sound of my voice right now, both here and online and at our campuses. Bless them, Father. Help them to find that strength to make those, call, those calls and have those conversations so that you get the glory. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand this morning if we could.